0: Morning. It is the third of May, 2022. Uh, today is primary day, and um, in many states across the country, it's primary day where I live. And we're going to talk with that. We're going to talk about that uh, with Mark Caleb Smith in just a moment. We're also going to talk about some things going on in the Supreme Court. But I am feeling as if uh, today's uh, big news is uh, sort of of that caliper that we need to remind ourselves of who we are, um, where our hope resides, that we're going to be a people of a settled peace and a certain hope, and that we're going to prepare ourselves by being people who are in the Word and of the Word as we walk our faith out into the world that God so loves. And so let me begin this morning in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 15 to 21. And I'm this is my where in the Word are you today encouragement. It's also my... Um, prayer over us. So I'm going to read this passage, and I hope that you will receive it as a prayer that I'm also lifting before the Lord on our behalf. These are the words of the Apostle Paul for his fellow Christians, the saints in Ephesus, um, beginning in verse 14 of chapter 3 of Ephesians. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than that which we ask or even think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen and amen. Now, let us cultivate the mind of Christ on the matters of this day. Um, according to reporting um in new york post russia's President Vladimir Putin has cancer. He has a scheduled surgery, and he will temporarily temporarily yield his position and power as President of Russia while he is um having surgery and recovering from surgery. but the person to whom he is going to um, hand those powers is a former k g b agent um who um is thoroughly aligned with Putin, and nobody has any expectations that that individual will change course in terms of the war in Ukraine, but it is significant. Primaries are today, and um, it reminds us that elections matter, and in no place maybe do elections matter more than when we start talking about um, the Supreme Court of the United States. Supreme Court justices are uh, appointed, by the president of the United States, who is obviously elected by the people of the United States. Well, late Monday night, Politico published what is reported to be a draft majority opinion from the Supreme Court. That has uh, never happened in modern history, that a draft decision of the Supreme Court is leaked in advance um, of, uh, you know, of the courts actually doing that intentionally. Um, And it's no insignificant case. It is the court's revisiting of Roe v. Wade, the 1973 decision that legalized abortion in all 50 states. So we're going to talk about that next with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio. Dr. Mark Hale Smith is joining us now from Cedarville University. Hey, good morning, Mark. Let me start with this. Um, here's a wide open question for you. Did you ever think this would happen? And then you get to um, you get to associate the this which which with whichever part of this storyline you find the most interesting. Did you ever think this would happen? Did you ever uh, think Roe v. Wade would be overturned? Did you ever think that a decision or an opinion by the Supreme Court would be leaked in advance of the court actually releasing it?
1: Uh, no, I would certainly no on the opinion being leaked. I mean, that's just a shocking uh, breach of every protocol the Supreme Court operates by. And uh, for people who don't study the court or aren't aware of how the court functions, it may not seem like that big of a deal for just some early information to come out. But it's it's far more than that. And we can we can go into the weeds on that if you want. But it's it's a stunning development. Um, nothing that I've ever seen comes close to that. In terms of the of, of overturning Roe, I mean, I think once uh, President Trump's appointments got on the court, it at least became very possible that we were going to see significant changes on Roe. Uh, after the oral arguments took place in December, it certainly felt like they were going to make changes. I didn't think they would overturn Roe uh, all in one fell swoop. I thought they would probably do something gradually. Um, but if this opinion turns out to be the majority opinion, which is a big if, um then it would be it would be a remarkable development, certainly one I would not have predicted this soon,
0: okay, so reportedly uh, this is uh, an opinion authored by justice Samuel Alito uh It Great. is from February. Politico reported that justices Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett all voted with Alito. so if that is the case um and if the contents of uh of this opinion End up actually being what uh, the final opinion is, then um, we have a reversal on Roe. And I think it's important for people to remember that doesn't mean that abortion becomes illegal across the country overnight. Um, it does mean that abortion would become immediately illegal in the 13 states that have sort of placed those triggers in, you know, in codified them in their state law. So um, we would return to a patchwork. Of abortion, uh, in terms of its legality and access across the country, um, when you when you think about the process of how the Supreme Court not only makes its decisions but then shares its decisions publicly, talk with right. us a little bit about how that happens.
1: So after the court hears oral arguments in a case, they'll hold a conference of just the justices themselves, and they'll cast a vote at that point. And it's not binding necessarily, but it's sort of a preliminary sense of where the justices stand. And based on that vote, um, depending on who's on which side, opinions will be assigned. And once an opinion is assigned, it gets drafted and then shared back and forth between different justices. And so it could be what we're looking at is actually one of those early drafts from Justice Alito to his colleagues about what a potential decision could look like. Um, and if that's the case, we really don't know where the court is right now. Um, you know, as they share these drafts, they they make edit- editorial changes, they make arguments back and forth. Uh, they can radically change opinions. You can have votes change back and forth in this process. And so, it isn't necessarily totally clear where we are at the moment. Now, you know, I, I will say that the draft that, that leaked, and I read through chunks of it. It certainly looks authentic. It looks like it was written as a majority opinion. It looks like it's laid out for publishing as a court opinion already. You know, this isn't a Word document. This is laid out as the court publishes an opinion. And so it it certainly looks like the real deal, but uh, there's no guarantee that that's actually what's happened. And the reason this is so important is the justices do everything behind closed doors so that they can avoid this kind of pressure and controversy early in the process. Leaking it out there really breaks a lot of uh, precedent on the court. It breaks the trust that the justices have with each other that they can share their thoughts freely. And I think personally it makes them potentially the target of intimidation, threats, and maybe even violence, given the gravity of this of this case in particular. And so to me, leaking this has all sorts of potential uh, problems attached to it, even for the safety of the justices potentially.
0: Uh, that was the first reaction of somebody this morning on our text line. Um, when I, you know, when I just briefly shared this information prior to you joining us, um, we had uh, Lori text in. My goodness, we certainly need to be praying for their safety. So that was uh, at least where. You know, the thoughts of one individual um, here in the in the listening community, uh, that was immediately where her thoughts went like this is um, and protesters took immediately to the streets. There were people protesting last night and it was um, not particularly peaceful in front of the Supreme Court. So, Mark, let's continue this conversation in just a moment. We are talking with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University. We're dealing with the headlines of the day. Um, you know, although I am grateful and thankful for certainly the what this appears to be the movement of the court on Roe v. Wade um, and its reconsideration um, and restricting abortion access and returning those decisions to the states, I also recognize that there are a couple of generations of Americans that literally thought this would never happen. They think it's a guaranteed right. That's going to lead to very robust conversations across the country. But it's the breaking of the precedent uh, in terms of the process of the court that has many uh, concern today, and those are our topics of conversation. We're also going to talk about the Supreme Court unanimous ruling in a case related to flags in Boston. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Till then, my darling, please wait for me till then. All righty, we are rejoining our conversation with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University. Uh, Let's brief people in on this. In a 9-0 decision, the Supreme Court ruled on Monday that the city of Boston violated the First Amendment by blocking Harold Shurtleff, uh, blocking his request to fly a Christian flag on one of the three flagpoles outside of City Hall during an event in 2017. All right, Mark, what's the uh, over and under on this story?
1: Uh, yeah, the city of Boston opened up one of these flagpoles for sort of community uh, people to, to say, okay, we have a flag, we would like to fly it, maybe we want to hold an event around this area. Um, Shirtliff was part of a group that wanted to use this flag, and he's a religious person, he represents a, a group uh, called Camp Constitution uh, that wants to inform people about our Ju- Judeo-Christian heritage, And the city of Boston turned down his request to use one of these flagpoles and to fly a particular flag that was really just a cross. Um, And the court unanimously determined that uh, once the city creates what it calls a public forum where people can articulate different points of view, um, then you can't discriminate based on a viewpoint Uh, once you open up that form. And so the city can't say, well, we'll allow all these other uh, different organizations to fly a flag or hold an event, but we're not going to allow a religious organization. Uh, The court said that that was viewpoint discrimination and uh, and struck it down. And in that sense, it's it's a pretty easy, predictable decision by the court. And the city's argument uh, was that, you know, this is our flag, it's it's our flagpole. It's us articulating a point of view. uh, But the court said clearly, The city really was just kind of letting people do whatever they wanted to do with this flagpole and had played no role before until they decided to turn down this one particular request. So easy decision for the court, unanimous verdict. Um, Some things are pretty straightforward. This is one of them.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Now let's talk about um, primaries. Primary season has begun for the 2022 election cycle. Ohio is, um, wow, it is big in terms of conversations across the country, and it's uh, considered this bellwether in terms of being a predictor. You live in Ohio. I thought, who better to talk with about what's going on there? All right. So um, particularly here, we're talking about the Republicans who are running for what will soon be an open seat in the Senate.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, they're they're running to replace Rob Portman, uh, two-term senator. Uh, who, you know, could certainly maybe serve longer in the U.S. Senate, but I think that it's fair to say that the politics have sort of moved in a direction that he's probably not all that comfortable with. I think it's fair to say that uh, Senator Portman is more in the image of Mitt Romney, and right now the electorate doesn't seem too interested in that in Ohio. And so uh, the Republicans running to replace Senator Portman um, have been sort of all over the map and uh, critics, I think, have argued that the GOP Senate campaign has really been about one securing one vote, and that was the endorsement of Donald Trump. Um, and a few weeks ago, President Trump did weigh in and endorse one of the candidates uh, named but J.D.
0: To have, but then he seemed to have forgotten <laughs> that the other night when he couldn't maybe remember who he had endorsed.
1: Yeah, uh, it was a remarkable moment in Nebraska when the president uh, forgot the person's name and then maybe even worse, mixed it up with another candidate's name. So he said J.D. Mandel. Mandel is the other person who is seeking President Trump's endorsement. Uh, and so not, a, not exactly a shining moment for either Vance, Mandel, uh, or for President Trump, frankly. So, but as you said, it's a good bellwether, I think, to give us a sense of how much power does President Trump still wield over the GOP in Ohio, and potentially how much power does he still have nationally in the Republican Party. All
0: right, so um, there is a third candidate. There's not just yep. three, or not just two people running. There are actually five. Um, there's right. a third person who uh, apparently is kind of surging. What do we know about that individual?
1: Yeah, Matt Dolan, who's a conservative, current state senator in Ohio, uh, is kind of out of central casting for a typical Ohio Republican of the last twenty years. Um, pretty, pretty staunch. Pretty um you know straightforward guy uh I think would be someone like Rob Portman to some degree in the Senate, but Dolan has distinguished himself because he's he's not a never trumper uh he said he he's voted for Trump twice and he would vote for him again if it comes down to it, but he said that um the the twenty twenty election was not stolen, and he says that uh really the president should move on from it, and so he's taken a very different direction on some important issues compared to Mandel or compared to Vance or some others in the race. And so Dolan is surging, as you said, right now the polling looks like this is too close to call. And my guess is it'll be one of those three candidates. If Dolan manages to pull this out, uh, I think that's a significant moment potentially for President Trump and his influence. I mean, it would uh, I think that it would damage the president perhaps, perhaps dramatically. So it'll be interesting tonight. I think it's gonna be close. I've been told by some people on the inside to to be prepared for a long night uh, because uh, the polls may may take a while to count these votes.
0: Okay, so um, let me tee up this uh, this comment, this language that we have heard from at least one of these candidates. And in this case, the candidate is is Josh um, Mandel. But I'm not sure that it is language that others running would be particularly uncomfortable with. I'm uncomfortable with it. Um, talk about candidates seeking to activate a, quote, unquote, Christian army.
1: Yeah, I mean, Josh Mandel's been campaigning in Ohio with Michael Flynn, the former a national security advisor for President Trump. And the language that they both used in this particular event, as you said, it's talking about Christian warriors. It's talking about sport, spiritual warfare and. Um, Christians being the pointed tip of the political spear, and things like that—it's just language that's really soaked in, in war rhetoric. And frankly, yeah, I have—I find it extremely troubling as well, Carmen. I, I don't—I don't think that's really what we're called to be as believers. Certainly, we're called to be politically active and engaged in our society, uh, but to think that we're being called on a holy mission uh, for a specific political candidate um, is is certainly a, a bit beyond the edge for me. But I think it's fair to say that this kind of rhetoric is uh, not all that unusual uh, on the on the right side of, of American politics right now. Uh, plenty of believers are fluent in this language, and are comfortable with this language, and I think are motivated by it. So I think this opens us up for a long conversation that we need to have about how we conceive of our role in a society, um, and if we want to take on this kind of militant approach to things
0: yeah i you know i'm i guess i'm thinking back here you know onward christian soldiers um right. marching as to war um but in our contemporary conversations globally um and our sensitivity to jihadist language right i i i think that we live in different days and i think that um if i were hearing this language coming from a person of a different religious persuasion other than Christianity, um, and I were hearing a candidate uh, seeking to activate a Muslim army, um, and I were uh, listening to war rhetoric related to um, a person of a different—I um, th- th- I would be worried and I would be concerned. And so I think that Christians need to be sensitive to the way that we are heard by outsiders. Um, we are, you know, like weirdos in the culture. I mean, this is no longer— in any way, shape, or form, a culture that is formed around Christian values or ideas. And so we're strangers. We're living in a strange land. We talk about that all the time here. And so when we um, use language, we have to recognize how others are hearing it. And the way others are hearing this is provoking fear.
1: Yeah, I think think that's exactly right. And, you know, I'm always reminded of Christ's admonition, you know, that his kingdom is not of this world. And to sort of put that kind of focus on achieving political victory um, using this kind of militant, in some ways, blood-soaked language, uh, I think is, is it's difficult to witness for Christ using that kind of rhetoric. In my mind, A different society that we live in, as you said, um, and I think an opportunity to witness is being lost when we ad- when we adopt this public stance.
0: Yeah. So we need to talk about you know. Uh, language used, you know, inside and outside. We need to talk about motivation. Yep. We need to talk yep. about public witness. Those are all parts of this conversation. All right. Um, thank you so much. As always, that's Dr. Mark Caleb Smith. You can find him at Cedarville University. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBerge and this is Faith Radio. been to visit us at MyFaithRadio.com lately. Um, there is a, a place for you to enter to win Susie Larson's brand new devotional for mothers and children. This is Mother's Day week. That's not lost on me. Um, and for all the ways you mother, I am thankful. Um, for all the ways that others mother you, I am thankful. Let's be thankful for, um, you know, those women in our life who have mothered us over the years. I you know who does God bring to mind when when I say those words? It's not just our you know biological moms. Who are the women who have shepherded our hearts? Who has mothered us along the way? Um, maybe consider honoring them this week in some particular way. Susie's devotional is May His Face Shine Upon You. We are giving away copies. In fact, we're giving away bundles so that you can have one and you can give one to someone else. So you can enter to win um, during this month of May, the May His Face Shine Upon You devotional giveaway. You see what we did there, right? May, May. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you enter to win at myfaithradio.com. We are also um, going to be broadcasting the National Day of Prayer Service right here uh, on this Thursday, May the 5th, and encourage you to um, check it out in advance. Um, pray.com and the National Day of Prayer Task Force is going to be partnering to live stream the National Day of Prayer event from the Museum of the Bible on Thursday evening, and we are going to carry that live here on all of our broadcast channels, so you can tune in to Faith Radio. You can find the stream on our Facebook page, Um you know or you can come or you can just visit myfaithradio.com at 7 p m central on Thursday May the 5th and click on the live stream because it'll be broadcast there as well. All right, so lots of great stuff at myfaithradio.com. The beginning of every month I think is always a great time to check out the website if you haven't done so lately um, because, you know, frankly, there's always great new stuff at the beginning of every month. All right, more next here on Mornings with Carmen. Now I'm alive and born again, rescued from the grip of sin. God, your love can Truth. In. Truth matters. Truth is precious to us. I'm Carmen LaBerge. I wrote a book on it. It's called Speak the Truth, How to Bring God Back into Every Conversation. Truth matters. We follow um, a Lord and Savior who is the way and the truth and the life. We acknowledge and recognize the presence and power and sovereignty of a God who is truth at its core. Actually, we determine truth based on the character qualities of God. Truth, beauty, and goodness are the three transcendental values. Um, So truth matters. And the way we use truth in the culture matters and how we understand the truth matters. And so when, um, you know, when we have a conversation about lies, which in our culture we like to, you know, we like to use words other than that. So we like to use words like disinformation or misinformation or even propaganda, all of which at some level is lies. Like it's not the whole truth, so help me God. It's somewhere along the path from uh you know like deception and deceit and and plain old lies to well you know there's some truth in that but um <clears throat> yeah there's there's some truth in that is not the same thing as the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help me god and so what am i uh what am i pointing to and alluding to here and let me not be quite so opaque Um, this conversation at the national level about the naming of a board of disinformation, um, which is being called, you know, Joe Biden's Ministry of Truth. And if that reference is lost on you, then you have not recently read or reread George Orwell's 1984. Um, And so every reference to, uh, you know, the quote-unquote Ministry of Truth, has provoked people to then Google Ministry of Truth, which has then taken them to a Wikipedia page um, which has then led them to rediscover orwells 1984, which has then led them to go and order uh, the book and and it's now you know like trending again on outlets that sell books. <clears throat> so the Ministry of Truth uh, was alongside the Ministry of Peace, the Ministry of Love, and the Ministry of Plenty four of the ministries of the government of Oceania in the 1949 dystopian novel uh, 1984 by George Orwell. So the ministry of peace, this comes from chapter 9, part 2 of the book, Uh, the ministry of peace concerns itself with war, the ministry of truth concerns itself with lies, the ministry of love concerns itself with torture, and the ministry of plenty with starvation. These contradictions are not accidental, nor do they result from ordinary hypocrisy. They are deliberate exercises in double think. So Orwell was using these contradictory names in um, you know in in a way that he had seen um, practiced during World War II, where let's say the the British quote unquote Ministry of Food actually oversaw rationing or the ministry of information actually restricted and controlled information rather than supplying it um and so um it, it's a it's a way of using language to help us understand what is really going on so the ministry of truth was in fact a ministry of propaganda in in Orwell's uh, book 1984 so that's what's going on in terms of you know when you hear this referenced in the conversations of the day, but when we're talking about it um, in in terms of what's happening here in our country right now, um, the Biden administration Department of Homeland Security, so DHS, announced this week that it had launched um, a quote unquote disinformation governance board to combat disinformation. And you say to yourself, "Well, surely that was like a Babylon Bee joke." surely that was not true. Um, and in fact, it was true. Um, and here's the challenge. The the person who they then tapped to chair this um, disinformation board, this disinformation governance board, is actually a person who has parodied the whole conversation about truth, misinformation, and disinformation. She's been a purveyor of it, publicly so. It is a complicated storyline. It would be hard to um, to make it up. Um, in fact, those who are a part of it were at one point denying it until others who were a part of it made it public again, namely the head of the Department of Homeland Security. So, um, Secretary Mayorkas, during his um, testimony earlier this week, uh, cited misinformation about Homeland Security's disinformation board, um, and and then Jen Paskey, the uh, the press secretary for the President of the United States for the White House, actually then laid out what it would be. So sort of here's been the back and forth. Um, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on Sunday then defended the department's new disinformation board as people were pushing back, um, you know, suggesting that it was Orwellian. Here's what he said on CNN's State of the Union. Quote, it works to ensure that the way in which we address threats, the connectivity between threats and acts of violence are addressed without infringing on free speech protecting civil liberties, uh, civil rights and civil liberties and the right of privacy. In another interview on NBC's Meet the Press, also on Sunday, he reiterated that the this disinformation governance board would work in ways to address disinformation, quote, in a way that does not infringe on free speech. It does not infringe on civil liberties. So um, uh, here's the challenge. Um, how one defines the terms misinformation and dis- disinformation and how one defines the truth and who gets to say what is what we're talking about here. Well, as soon as you start saying who gets to say what and what is and isn't um, true, then you have basically a government arbiter of the truth. Okay, That's a challenge. I'm not sure that, um, you know, if we were electing an arbiter of truth, we would all agree on who that was going to be. Well, we might all agree because we would say, well, it should be Jesus. Jesus should be the arbiter of truth. He is the way and the truth and the life. Like he ought to be our standard. That's not the standard that um many people in the culture are using. It's certainly not the standard the government is using, and so who decides what is and isn't true and then what is what may and may not be allowed to be spoken? That's actually what we're talking about, and I can, I can barely believe that that's what we're talking about like i I thought when I first heard this, surely this is a a strange joke, but it's not um this is actually. What is, uh, what is going on right now. So what could go wrong with a government run ministry of truth? I mean, I, I realize that's not the name that they have placed upon it, but that is the name you're going to hear uh, it referred to and by. Now, the truth matters. The truth matters a lot. In fact, there's not anything that matters more than the truth. So how is truth discerned? This is a question for us today how do I sort out truth from lies? And then how do I become a person who advocates for the truth no matter what? Well, the answer to that one is, so help me, God. So help me, God. So we're going to pause, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the importance of truth, and the importance of discernment, and then the importance of truth-telling no matter the cost to us socially um, or politically, because ultimately the question is, am I committed to the truth? Am I committed to discovering the truth? And then once discerned, am I committed to bringing my speech, my, uh, my actions, my life into conformity with the truth? So help me God. I mean, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. The question is, will I cooperate with the Holy Spirit or am I so determined in my own way that I am going to think what I think and do what I do, even when, even when the truth suggests otherwise. That's the challenge for us as Christians in the culture today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio.
1: We need a strong guide. We need the real guide. the God with the resurrection power from the grave. Take a
0: all right, it occurs to me that it's been a while since we have uh, offered to give away copies of my book. So, um, I don't know, Paul, we didn't plan on doing this today. Can I do it anyway? Well, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We do another okay. giveaway later gonna... the show, but I don't mind doing All right. two.
0: All right, so here's what we're going to do. Um, if you've never received um, a complimentary copy of my book, Speak the Truth, How to Bring God Back into Every Conversation, um, we're going to give them away today because i think that um it's imperative that you understand what i'm thinking about these things and how i'm thinking about them and nowhere have i laid it out as thoroughly as in my book speak the truth and so if you want a complimentary copy of speak the truth text the word book to 8779332484 again you're going to text the word book to 8779332484 um so um, here's, here's why this matters uh, to me. Nothing matters to me more than um, our being aligned with the Lord, our God, and, uh, and his will in the matters of the day. And so seeking the truth and then speaking the truth um, is, I mean, this is, this is who I am and how I'm wired. There's a lot uh, that's wrong out in the world. And so we can start this conversation pretty much anywhere, but, you know, I like to begin at the beginning. And so if we are going to begin at the beginning, let's start with, you know, the first wrong, the the, start by acknowledging that the root of every issue is an issue of sin. And we've got a home field advantage in that conversation. So um, that's actually where the conversation about truth begins. Do I believe God is? And then do I believe that God is good? Do I believe that God has spoken? If I believe that God is and God is good and God has spoken, then I am um, intensely interested in what God has said. And where do I access what God has said? Well, I access that in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. Um, And so this conversation about truth, I'll just tell you in advance, Um, Is going to be a conversation about God, and it's going to be a conversation about scripture, and it's going to be a conversation about discernment. Uh, And then it's going to be a conversation about the integration of the word of God into the life of the believer in order that when we speak, what we say is actually aligned with who God is in terms of what he's revealed. Now, we don't do that by our own power, we do that by the power and influence of the Holy Spirit at work within us. We do it as people completely given over to him. So this is also a conversation about where you are with God and who you are in Christ. And if you're not in Christ and the Holy Spirit is not operating in you, then there's a chapter in the book about that as well, because this is intensely personal, and I think that we should take it personally. I think we must take it personally. Um, So the truth is who God is. Um, the truth is what God communicates, and the truth is that which God calls us to live within. So let me um, let me ask this question. Where do you think God belongs in the conversations of the day? Because the truth is that God belongs right at the center of every conversation. The truth is that God belongs at the center of every conversation. And so whatever's going on in the culture, whatever headline we're reading, whatever— um, issue we 're seeking to address the issue is ultimately God, and so where is God in the midst of that conversation so when we 're talking about let 's say the headline that I teed up just before we started this uh, this segue into a conversation about the truth, right it was a conversation about free speech it was a conversation about information and disinformation and misinformation. It was a conversation about well frankly lies and how we identify them in the culture today, and the challenge of identifying lies because of social media and, frankly, um, propaganda. So it's a conversation um, about discernment. Well, I can't discern the truth from lies if I don't know the truth, if I'm not operating in the truth. Otherwise, I'm just swimming around in, in some stew of various lies of various kinds, you know, some of them worse than others. I want to know the truth because the truth is what sets us free. We can't have a conversation about freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, any other freedom, without having a conversation about truth. And we can't have a conversation about truth without having a conversation about God. And we can't have a conversation about God without being people who are um, not only aware of but deeply influenced by What God has said in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, deeply influenced by the present power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Um, So, um, where does God belong? I think God belongs right in the middle of every conversation. And I also believe that God has his people present everywhere right now um, because God wants to use us, you and me to bring his view into the conversations of the day. Yes, I think God wants to be in the national conversation we're having about information, disinformation, truth. I think God wants to be in the middle of the conversation we're having as a nation about abortion and life and death. I think God wants to be in the middle of the conversation that we're having as a nation um, about education. I think God wants to be in the middle of the conversation that we're having as a nation about Gender and identity and marriage and relationships. I think God wants to be in the middle of every single one of those conversations. And how is it that God gets into those conversations? Mouthpieces like you and me. Mouthpieces like you and me. People in whom the Holy Spirit of the living God is actually pleased to dwell. Not because we're pleasing, but because we're redeemed. Because we have said to God, not my will, but thine be done. This is no longer my life. I'm already dead. This life is now animated by the Holy Spirit of the living God. This is Christ's life now to live. Do with me what you will. That's how God gets into the conversations of this day. That's how God gets his witness. That's how God gets his glory. You and I seeking him with all our heart. And then saying, use me as an instrument of your will. I want to be an ambassador of your kingdom. I want to be an agent of your grace. I want to be a minister of reconciliation. I want to be a sower of peace. Use me. All right if you want some equipping on this, I wrote a book about it. It's called Speak the Truth, How to Bring God Back into Every Conversation. Periodically, we give away copies. And uh, I was uh, spontaneously led by the Spirit that now should be the day and this should be the hour and now should be the time. So if you're listening uh, live, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, it doesn't really matter when you're listening. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. You're going to get a little bounce back message there. Fill out that little form. Um, Carmen LaBerge is the author. Speak the Truth is the book. You heard it on Faith Radio. Those are the answers to the questions you're going to need. Um, We're going to be looking for your physical mailing address because that's actually how we ship books. So if you want a copy of Speak the Truth, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Yep, I wrote it. I'd love for you to have it. I'd love for us to be able to talk about it Um, because I think the truth matters. And I think that today there's almost nothing that matters more than the truth. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. May. Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. I don't know that's what came to mind. May is Blessing Month here at Faith Radio. Um, we are people so extraordinary, extraordinarily blessed. You bless me. Uh, I trust that being together blesses you. Um, we want to be people who recognize the blessing of God, um, and we want to be people who bless God. And so I'm going to encourage you to count your blessings. I want to encourage you to recognize how blessed you are. And then I want you to bless God. What does that mean? So Psalm 103 gives us a little indication on how to do this. So um, just listen to these opening verses of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So you say to yourself, how do I bless God? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all our iniquity, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's Scripture's encouragement to count our blessings. And then as we count our blessings, turn around and bless the giver of the blessing. Bless God. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen Laburge. This is Faith Radio. We've got another hour. Up next, we're going to... Uh, be talking with Janita Pace, author of The Healing Names of Jesus, about Mental Health Month and the Mental Health Crisis in America. And then we're going to be talking with Dr. Michael Youssef about his new book, Never Give Up. We're never going to give up. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play music app.